Hi everyone and welcome to Anesthesia Coffee Break. My name is Lahiru and today we're doing live Viva practice with Max. Now, um, hey Max, sorry, welcome, welcome to the podcast and really thank you for reaching out because um, not many people reach out to be examined and grilled kind of in, a, in this kind of format on a podcast. And so, you know, real kudos to you. And I think it's one of those things where, hey, you just try to get as much practice and as much experience with as many people as possible for this exam. Um, so Max, um, tell us a bit about yourself, you know, where you're working, what stage are you at, and how, you know, briefly what the exa- how the exam was. Okay. Um, well, thanks again for having me. It's, it's, uh, it's just an honor to actually be on the podcast that I've been listening to for the last nine months. <laughs> nice. um, I'm, I'm currently working at the Trobe Regional Hospital. Um, I'm the only accredited trainee there, unfortunately, at the moment. Um, I've just finished sort of introductory time as well. And so I've been basically studying since uh, I started January 1st. Um, in terms of sort of how I found the written. Uh, actually, actually, let's go to like, what's your, what's your Viva um, plan now as we, as we go, as you go into this kind of new phase? So it's it's been about four days since we're in. So I've taken just a bit of time off and uh, you know relaxed a bit. But uh, basically, starting today, I'm my plan is sort of since I've covered a lot of the content, a lot of the learning outcomes, mm-hmm. and done a lot of short answer questions. It it I, I'm looking at this. And I felt a bit sort of mm-hmm. to some extent like lost because you know when you're looking for short answer question in multi-choice you can just look at past questions and use that to guide the topics and then go for learning outcomes but so i think i'm going to do something similar my, i've got uh organized a few vibers with some of the consultants at my hospital including some of the icu consultants and with some friends who've gone through uh previously as well Excellent. and then i've also got a study group uh which is across a few different states and where it's growing rapidly actually the study group and um uh, where basically the plan is we're going to do a bit of Viva practice sort of each day, and then I'm just going to read around topics because that's the advice I was given from some of my uh, that's, predecessors. That's fantastic. And I, I, I love this thing of this, Viva, this um, study group growing because I think, oh, you know, just including people but still having, you know, not letting anyone be left behind, having this having this thing where, you know, there's plenty of room for people to still be in a study group and have these. I imagine, you know, you do some things with different people and, you know, you interchange people when they're free. But also, when you get a really good viva, you write that down and you give it to the next person. And you just pay it forward, and suddenly you've multiplied the effect of each consultant's. Probably they've given you a real viva that has been in the exam, and now you get to do that. So I, th- I think that that works really well. Absolutely, and the, it's sort of a study group that's formed out of the fact that all of us in the study group had no one else to form a study group with, and so we got yeah, we got people in Queensland, people in South Australia, me, and we've got. How did, you, how did you um, find each other? Like, how did you meet up? One of the trainees who used to be at my site, um, uh, she, we did the um, primary course together. And then I just made a whole bunch of friends there, talked to as many people as I could. And that's when we all started meeting up. And then friends of friends started joining. And it just became this massive thing. Okay, that's great. How many, how many people in the group? Currently, I think it's about nine. Okay, good. And, and I know one West Australian group had everyone in the state, I think. So there must have been like 20 people or something. So again, you know, it, it does work depending on how well you can organize yourselves and just, yeah, don't leave, don't leave anyone behind. That's the, that's the motto. Hey, so yeah. let's, let's get started, Max. Um, so pretty much I'm just going to ask you questions, give me answers. We'll get you to draw some pictures later and hopefully you can just show it up to the screen. 
um, and I'll mm-hmm. kind of show the audience what, what that looks like on on the YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, we'll just get started and then we'll give feedback at the end. So we might go for 15 minutes or so. Uh, let's get started. Yeah. Max, what is anaphylaxis? Uh, anaphylaxis is a dysregulated uh, response to an antigen um, caused by the degranulation of mast cells, leading to a life-threatening uh, uh, syndrome involving sort of a distributive shock and life-threatening angioedema. And what kind of um, reaction would you call this? This is a type 1 hypersensitivity reaction. Great. Um, what is the main antibody involved in this? Um, it would be IgE. Where is this formed? So Ig is formed in the uh, B cells. Uh, B cells. Yep. Um, what's another name for them? Plasma cells. Cool. cool. Um, okay. So, what happens? Literally, what happens in this process? So the process starts off with uh, exposure to an antigen or something that could resemble an antigen, such as falconing or rocuronium. Um, the uh, an IgE is formed to the antigen, and this binds to the FC fragment of the mast cell. Um, this mast cell is then sent to be primed, and it can also happen to the basophils as well. Uh-huh. Um, what then happens is re-exposure to the same antigen uh, binds to this primed mast cell, and it's uh, a process called cross-linkage, uh-huh. which causes uncontrolled degranulation of uh, mast cell, releasing... Right. Yeah. yeah, tell me which mediators are released. So it releases, um, there's early and late mediators. The early mediators are going to be um, uh, serotonin, uh, tryptase, histamine, and the late mediators are going to be prostaglandins, platelet activating factor, uh, and leukotrienes. Right. What does this cause? Uh, this causes a number of uh, problems with the system. So from the cardiovascular system, it causes widespread vasodilation, causing uh, distributive or vasodilatory shock. Um, it also causes, uh, from respiratory side, uh, bronchoconstriction and uh, angioedema, which can cause basically obstruction in upper and lower levels, as well as um, urticaria and facial edema. Uh, and then it can also cause uh, GI symptoms as well. So you get nausea, vomiting, and um, uh, gastric upset. What's the main uh, pathology with the cardiovascular system? Uh, the main pathology uh, is is it's going to be the distributive shock. What, and what, you what also, does that mean? What's happening at a so you, so you get a loss of your systemic vascular resistance due to vasodilation from these inflammatory mediums released. Anything else that's happening at that? Um, you, uh, sorry, what was that? Anything else happening at that capillary level? Uh, yeah, so you get um, a large amount of uh, basically capillary leakage as a result of uh, this. So you get large amounts of edema. Anything else? Uh, not that I can think of at this point. Any, so. Anything else in any part of the body uh, systemically? Um, so, yeah, you can get the systemic rash uh, as well. Um, uh, you can also get an increase from histamine, an increase in heart rate. So Anything. you get a tachycardia. Anything else? Um, not that I can think of at this point. How, how about clotting? Ah, oh, so you can get dysregulated. Um, uh, you can get dysregulated hemostasis as well. Um, oh. So you can potentially get DIC and uh, thrombotic events. Yeah. How does D- what happens in DIC? 
So DIC is the um, of the dysregulated uh, activation of all your clotting factors and platelets. So it it consumes the vast majority of your bo- body's ability to coagulate, and then uh, forms these complexes, which can become embolic. And then subsequently, you have a hypercoagulable state. Uh, no, sorry, um, and uh, basically, you get a lack of uh, clotting factors, and you become um, uh, you become relatively anticoagulated. Um, how would you treat anaphylaxis? So the the mainstay of anaphylaxis uh, treatment is adrenaline. Um, uh, this acts via the beta two. Uh, it it has multiple effects. Its main effect for treating it is acting via the beta two receptors in the mast cell, which stabilizes it. Um, however, it also helps treat the bronchoconstriction, uh, the angioedema. And also helps uh, increase sort of cardiac output in the, uh, and also uh, increase systemic vascular resistance in the distributive state. How does it increase cardiac output? Uh, It increases cardiac output by acting directly on, um, at low doses, acting directly on the heart's uh, beta-1 receptors, which cause um, effective sort of increase in chronotropy, leucotropy, inotropy, and dromotropy. Uh, increase the cardiac output. It can um, it can also uh, increase the cardiac output. Um, it does. It this doesn't necessarily increase cardiac output, but it helps treat the shock by at higher doses acting on the alpha one receptors in the body to cause uh, vasoconstriction and increase in um, uh, increase in systemic vascular resistance, which has mixed effects. But it does increase afterload and preload, which okay. can help the um, state. What? What is anaphy- what's, what's that anaphylactoid reaction? How does that differ? An anaphylactoid reaction is um, it's not mediated by mast cells. Um, Are you sure? It, uh, not so sure. But um, uh, how it differs is it's, it's very similar in origin, but it's mainly treated by um, uh, it's, it's not, it's dose dependent and it's dependent on. Um, uh, speed of injection of uh, drug if it's involved in a drug. Okay, let's um, change topic now. I want you to draw a CVP waveform, so central venous pressure waveform, um, and the corresponding ECG trace as well. Once you've done okay. that, you can just show it to the screen. Sounds good. This is what I've got here. Excellent. Can you describe what you're showing there? Yeah, so as we go across, this is a pressure over uh, time graph in the uh, central venous, uh, the central venous pressure. Um, we've got the A and the C wave, the X descent, the V uh, wave here, and the Y descent. And then we've got the P wave here, the QRS and the T. Um, what, what's happening here is you've got the X wave, which is happens just after the P wave, and it represents um, atrial yeah. contraction. You mean the A wave? Oh yeah, anyway, sorry. Um, a wave, and it represents atrial contraction. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got uh, at the start of isovolumetric uh, contraction, you've got the C wave, which is ref- uh, represents both a uh, reflection from the tricuspid closing as well as the carotid pulsation. Then you've got the X descent, which uh, happens roughly at the time of um, the early ejection phase of systole, uh, where you've got the uh, decrease in volume of the right ventricle uh, reflecting uh, reflected in the central venous pressure. Then, as you've got here, you've got the uh, 
V-wave, which is the rapid uh, rush of blood against the tricuspid valve whilst it's closed. And uh, then you've subsequently got the Y descent, which is the opening of the tricuspid valve. Okay, excellent. Um, so you've explained each of those parts. You can put that down now. That's totally fine. Um, and pretty much you, you, I think you explained what happens at each of the points because the ECG is linked to that as well. So that's great. Um, can you write some values for pressure on the y-axis? I can. So pressure is going to roughly be between, uh, in a normal healthy person, between zero and eight millimeters of mercury. <laughs> so I will put this at four to split the difference of the baseline. Um, that's sort of the main one. I'll put four and I'll put maybe, so I go down to the baseline here, two millimeters of mercury and maybe go up to five in a healthy person mm -hmm. at euphalemic state. Now, can you tell me what happens to the CVP trace with atrial fibrillation? So with atrial fibrillation, um, you would lose your A-wave as you have no clear atrial contraction. And uh, in terms of, uh, I think the baseline of the CVP trace may be harder to interpret as well. It's not going to be a smoother trace. How about um, tricuspid stenosis? With tricuspid stenosis, um, uh, you're going to have a uh, a less steep Y descent when the tricuspid opens, and you're going to have potentially a, a sharper, uh, with the atrial contraction, um, you're going to have a sharper spike in pressure with the A wave. How about tricuspid regurge? Um, with tricuspid regurge, um, let me think about this for a second. I think... Um, I think your C wave might be more markedly um, elevated and you might get fl uh, a loss of the, uh, uh, you might get loss of the uh, V wave or flattening of a V wave. Um, how about AV dissociation? Um, with AV dissociation, you're going to get uh, atrial contractions outside of normal ventricular uh, basically outside of your normal uh, ventricular beats and therefore you're going to get A waves appearing in inappropriate places or having no correlation to systole and diastole. We'll move on to the next, the last question we have, which will be what's in a bag of normal saline? Um, a bag of normal saline is a, it's a litre of water which contains uh, 154 millimoles of both uh, chloride and sodium which has a pH of roughly about 5.5 to 7 and a uh, calculated osmolality of about 308, but a measure of roughly 285 to 290, depending on the source. Mm -hmm. What is normal about normal saline? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, what's the difference between osmolarity and osmolality? So osmolarity is number of solutes per... Um, uh, liter, whereas osmolality is number of solutes per kilogram. Mm -hmm. um, and do, can we interchange these? Like, why why do we have these two terms? Um, they're not necessarily interchangeable because uh, the various weights of the solution you're putting in is going to be different. A kilogram of water equals a liter of water, but you're not always using water as your uh, solvent. Mm -hmm. 
Um, okay. What's um, so this because this is a real vibe. I'm just trying to move through to the right question because you've answered some of these. In terms of measurement, how do we measure each of these? So, um, in terms of osmol, uh, osmolality is generally calculated, whereas osmolarity is measured uh, via freezing point depression, which is a coagular po property of any fluid. What's, what's another way you can calculate osmolarity? Um, you could also check... Uh, you could also check the change in boiling point. Any other things you can, methods you can use to measure? Um, you could, uh, you could use it against a reference uh, solution in a permeable, a semi-permeable membrane and see uh, the fluid shifts. Mm -hmm. now, now, tell me what are the colligative properties? So colligative properties are properties of a solution. Um, uh, that uh, aren't dependent on the substance of the solution itself, but rather the amount of particles within the solution. Mm -hmm. And these are um, these are boiling point, freezing point, and uh, also saturated vapor pressure has variable properties depending. But it does actually depend on the solution's uh, solvent, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So when I add antifreeze to the car, how does that work? So antifreeze is ethylene glycol. Um, it's a very small particle, which uh, when you add to a, um, a solution, adds a large amount of uh, solute, uh, therefore de depresses the freezing point of uh, the substance. So in the car, it depresses the freezing point of the uh, motor fluid you're using. Okay. Um, so you've increased the number of particles. Um, tell me about the anion gap. So the anion gap is... Uh, it's the gap in um, commonly measured or measurable anions uh, and cations uh, within your blood. Um, What's the formula? So there's a couple formulas depending on uh, whether you're not measured for traces, but the standard one is um, uh, your, your, your total amount of sodium minus your total cations, which is chloride plus um, uh uh, chloride, uh, and uh, you can have, there's a formula that involves e, uh, urea and also. What's what's an easy formula that you can use day to day? To day? Um, sorry, I've forgotten at this point. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, what do you, what do you use it for? The anion gap? Um, so you mainly use the anion gap to determine the source of a metabolic uh, acidosis, whether or not it's a high anion gap metabolic acidosis or a normal anion gap metabolic acidosis. And what are the uh, norm, what are the wide anion gap metabolic acidosis conditions? Um, so I use uh, the acronym left total knee replacement. So you've got lactate, uh, you've got toxins, including toxic alcohols, such as ethylene glycol. You've got um, ketones and you've got um, uh, renal conditions as well. Excellent. Okay, Max, we're going to stop there. Well done. <laughs> How did that feel? Uh, it was a challenge. I think, uh, you know, I have the knowledge for some of the things, but in the moment you know like especially you know i've calculated anion gaps hundreds of times over the past five years uh, <laughs> yeah. six years so yeah and yeah. in the moment 
in the moment. Completely out of the window. <laughs> um, so here is that real vibe. So there's a real vibe for one of my mates um, uh, who, uh, good vibe, because he, he got pretty far just like you did in this vibe. So again, I, I made this slightly difference in terms of the timing of everything, but I think you went really well into anaphylaxis. You give me a really nice definition and you went to some extra details about the receptor types as well. So, you know, that was definitely impressive to hear that stuff. So I think that was really great. Um, uh, mediators, you know, you, you, you mentioned all, all the right ones. You can have it intermediate and late as well. That, that was pretty cool. Um, all of these effects of histamine is the most important. Triptase you mentioned, because that's obviously what we measure. I, and I, the thing I was pressing for was leaky capillaries. The fact that you're, you know, you get sudden redistribution is a big part of it. Loss of uh, vascular volume and that contributes to swelling as well. Um, but you define all the other things. A lot of people forget that, you know, anaphylaxis also involves the GI tract. Um, in terms of the systems that it does. Um, many people, uh, you know, even before this fiber, I didn't really consider clotting something, one of the things that I thought about, but, you know, in severe anaphylaxis, obviously it can happen as well. And you then got to that from first principles, which is good. Um, you mentioned adrenaline straight away, and then we just talked about all of that, which is great. Um, and then we went straight, I, I wasn't too fussed because you already mentioned basophils previously, so we didn't have to go into that. So, yeah, any, any questions about that? I think you did really well on that. Um, is anaphylactoid me, uh, mediated oh, by mast cells? I forgot. It, it is, yeah, it is. It's direct. <laughs> it's, not, it's not IgE mediated, but it is mast cell degranulation. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and you're kind of right. It's, it's more of a graded response. The, you know, the more of a drug you can... Is it that? More of a drug? Yeah, you need direct uh, substrate or protein or whatever it is degranulating the mast cells. So it truly is the amount of dose you give will have a very direct effect. Whereas anaphylaxis can be, you know, like, you know, dose dependent in a certain way. Like, you know, if you do a skin prick test to a substance mm. and you, you, it shows a big sign, you don't necessarily get anaphylaxis. So, you know, anyway, we'll move on from there. So drawing CVP and I might just, so I think you, I think you explained this really well um, and you pretty much got all the definition. I'm just going to derange physiology now. Great website. I'm sure a lot of the people, uh, studying for the primary uh, for the primary exam have heard of. Um, I've so. read the whole thing. <laughs> all, yeah. all the primary stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, uh, let's just get this up. So, yeah, the, again, I think you met, you um, talked about this really well. Obviously, being able to draw a picture, um, draw the diagram, having your axes labeled pressure and time, and you've got, and you described it as such, you know, the P wave, then atrial contraction, then QRS complex, then the C wave of tricuspid elevation in the right atrium, followed by the downward movement, and then the V wave is the back pressure. Um, and that happens after your repolarization on your T wave, and the tricuspid valve opens early in ventricular diastole, and that's your wide descent there. Um, so all, all of that was good. And then, uh, you know, fa fa obviously a fantastic website. So, uh, having all the different pathologies so loss of a waves in atrial fibrillation canon a waves if there's any kind of junctional rhythm or pacing um because obviously you don't have that coordination um and then interestingly uh, so re regurgitant cv waves and tricuspid regus so you get this fused kind of look there again i'll put the link up to derangedphysiology.com and what we're talking about here on the on the um in the notes in, on the YouTube channel, as well as uh, as well as um, uh, at the podcast as well, and then we try cuspid stenosis. You get prominent air, prominent airwaves and reduced uh, or reduced. So for tricuspid stenosis or reduced right ventricular compliance, 
pretty prominent airwaves. Um, and that's probably what we went through. Just going to stop there and just put in what we what my mate put in the note. So AF loss of airwave, C wave prominence. He said there trichostenosis increased mean CVP with a t- narrower taller airwave. Actually, and you actually you said a few more things. I wasn't sure exactly if they were correct, but you did mention the narrow taller airwave. I like the way I was first principling a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, and and kind of that's that's all you got sometimes, really. Um, especially like once you get to that point in the vibe, obviously they're really testing. You've already passed. They're just really seeing how far you can go. Tricuspid regurgitation increased V wave and AV dissociation. Um, but the Canon Canon A waves is kind of that uh, term there. I think you talked about all of this really well with the normal saline. Um, getting your, you know, the pH is right and the osmolality right. Osmolarity versus lality is liters versus kilogram. Um, and then, you know, you can use an osmometer for measuring osmolality. Um, but osmolarity, you can just calculate, you know, sodium plus glucose plus urea. I think that was the simpler formulation that you mm-hmm. can just uh, approximate it with. Um, and then colligative properties. Yep. Easily said that. And then talking about freeze, uh, antifreeze, how, how does it work exactly? Lots and lots of particles depresses this uh, freezing point. And I get, yeah, I mean, again, once you get to this point, we're just getting more and more uh, information out of you. Um, and yeah, I think you did that really well. Everyone's got a different mnemonic. Uh, so left turn your patient sounds great. I've got dual diabetic urea, u- uremia, sorry, uh, lactic and ethanol and other toxins. Um, but those are, you know, literally the key, the key ones that we need to think about. Um, good work, Max. Um, thanks so much for being on that. Did you have any questions about any of that? Uh, no, not at all. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Davis. It's really good practice. And it's also, as, as you said, if this does help uh, people listening and watching to us, as the previous uh, vibes that I've listened to for your podcast have helped me, then I'll be incredibly grateful as well. Excellent. Hey, thanks so much, Max. So we'll end it there. Hope this was uh, really interesting and informative. Share with anyone who might be interested, especially if they're seeing that primary exams. And uh, we'll see you all next time on the next podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye.